Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast. We appreciate you making time to learn and grow with us. Here you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, have a listen. I just want to welcome you as well. My name is David. I'm the pastor here. And we love, our, we love getting together for Christmas. We love celebrating Christmas. And it's so amazing to come together in kind of an environment like this. And, you know, the songs, the readings, the scripture earlier, uh, even this video, although it was embellished a little bit from the true story, gives us some perspective of the Christmas story or what the true meaning of Christmas is. Tonight, what I want to do, just for a couple of minutes, is take us back even further, earlier than the Christmas story. And I want to look at, like, just briefly, at this prophecy that happened or was told hundreds of years before Jesus' birth. In fact, it's been so influential over the last, you know, several decades or maybe even centuries because Handel Uh, who's a famous musician, wrote this incredible piece called Handel's Messiah. And inside the piece are elements of this prophetic word from the Hebrew scriptures. And this found by this this, uh, prophet named Isaiah in the Hebrew scriptures. And it's an amazing piece of, um, of literature that was a word from God to the people of that time, but it actually spoke towards Jesus's birth. So if you got a minute, listen to this. And well, not that you're going anywhere, but if you got a minute, listen to this, okay? And I'm going to read just a couple of lines from this incredible text. And this is what Isaiah the prophet says The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then he continues a little later on, saying these words For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What an incredible text here from the Old Testament. And what's what's really cool about this is that when the biographers of Jesus' life wrote down his story, one of them named Matthew actually quoted Isaiah when he was helping us understand or helping the first hearers and us understand who Jesus was. And when he writes down the biography of Jesus, he uses this prophecy to point to Jesus. And here's one of the reasons why. Because those who met and walked with Jesus, they saw him as the fulfillment of God's plan to make the world right. In fact, in Matthew, when he writes his biography, He uses the word fulfilled 16 times to help his readers in the first century understand that God was up to something, and when Jesus came on the scene, he was fulfilling something that God was going to do. And part of that fulfillment was longing to make the world right and also to reconcile all that was broken in the world, both to God and reconciling people to each other. Now, I don't know about you, but most births that I know of tend to go unnoticed beyond the family and friends who know you. 
I see some people in the crowd, your birth, my birth, honestly, not many people are going to talk about us in 100 years. I'm sorry, but it's true. Even if you exist on Facebook for the next 50 or 100 years, who knows? But here, here's the reality. Most births are very common. They're local. They're local events that rarely reach beyond like your family circle or your friend's circle. But there was something about Jesus' birth that caught history's attention, that these biographies were written about him, and then stories continued to be told, and people continued to follow. Now, as a, as a Christian or as a church, we do believe in the virgin birth, that it was miraculous, that it was powerful, that it was wonderful. And yet, it's incredible. When I asked, I think about this question, what would have led these first followers of Jesus to even consider his birth miraculous? I mean, we know all birth is wonderful. Every baby's wonderful. Every baby's a miracle. But they looked at this birth a little bit differently. When I think about my wife's birth, I wasn't there, uh, obviously. And uh, partly because I'm two years older than her, so I would just... Oh, no, that would have made me still possible to be there, but impossible. Let's just kind of say it's impossible. My wife's birth <laughs> would have meant very little to me if I would have never met her. Like, her birth would have just been like common statistic here in Quebec. I was born in Ontario. We, if we would have never met, I wouldn't have any reference point of her birth. But because I met her, because I fell in love with this wonderful person called Franca, and because I, I if, 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 that was the, if I wouldn't have met her, I would have never come to realize how amazing she is. And I know I'm biased, but I'll introduce you to her tonight, and you can tell me. I think I'm right. And I've never uttered these words to her. I don't know if I've uttered them literally. I don't think I did. But I've thought them in some way in my brain to say, Franca, I'm so glad you were born. Or maybe I would have thought something like, your birth changed my life. And the only reason I would say that or think that is because her life has impacted me. Because I've come to know her, because she's in my life, because she's impacted me, I can look back and say, your birth has made a difference in my life. And so think about that for a second. What made the gospel writers realize that there was something unique and beautiful and powerful about the birth of Jesus? And what made the early church, his first followers, and those who continued to grow and grow in number of people who came to discover Jesus way beyond his death and resurrection, to continue to reflect on his birth? What made them do that? I think what made them do that is the way he lived, the way he died, how he rose from the dead, how many of his first followers saw him ascend into God's heavenly space or realm. And then eventually, people that never even saw Jesus would see how his followers lived. And when they got his teachings right, and then when they truly lived in the way he called us to live, they continued to reflect something beautiful and powerful about Jesus that people started to look back and say, oh, this person's birth made a difference. And I think that's why we can truly say that his life was truly light shining in the darkness. I think that's why Matthew, when he's writing his biography of Jesus, could look back and think about Isaiah's text and say, oh yeah, a light dawning in the darkness. Now first, the question is, well, why was it dark for these first readers? I don't even mean 
when Jesus came on the scene. I mean like when Isaiah wrote this hundreds of years earlier, it felt dark for them. They were ruled by an abusive nation and it felt dark for them. Life felt dark for these first readers of Isaiah. But life also was feeling dark for Jesus' first audience. They were living under Roman rule. They were living under Roman oppression. And then even those beyond the Jews, those that were called Gentiles or non-Jews, they also longed for a world of justice and a world of peace and a world of goodness. And so when you read something from Isaiah that says, for us a child is born, for us a son is given, that holds promise. When you think of those words, child and a son or you know, just a, some, uh, just a human being born, it comes with promise. And when Isaiah was writing this and writing and speaking on God's behalf, he was saying that there was one that would break through the darkness, one that would break through your darkness, one that would break through the darkness in Jesus' day, one that would also break the darkness through the darkness in our day. And think about what Isaiah said about this child or son that would be born. He said that he's a wonderful counselor and a mighty God and an everlasting father and a prince of peace. So think about this, like wonderful counsel, strength and courage, like a caring father with some, as someone who leads with justice, who leads with integrity, who leads with righteousness. Who wouldn't describe that as light today? Who wouldn't say that sounds like light, wisdom, and care and concern, and just leadership, and strength and courage. Who wouldn't call that light? And when you look around our world, who wouldn't long for that? I don't know about you, but I talk to people all the time these days, especially the last three, four months of this year, and there are so many people that I talk to that would appreciate and long for a wonderful counselor and a prince of peace. There's a, a funny show on, a uh, Canadian show, so not many people know it because it's Canadian, right? <laughs> um, but it's called This Hour Has 22 Minutes. And, uh, and, and there's this one episode. They do these skits that are often kind of commenting on culture. And there's one that just came out in the last week or two. And it's, well, actually, I'll show you a picture of it. This is, this is Chris. And Chris just started working at his job. And he thought that he would show up to the, to the work Christmas party in a Santa suit. And as he walks into the work Christmas party, all of these new friends of his are complaining, like someone's complaining about the environment and someone's complaining about the economy and someone's, you know, kind of like talking about Elon Musk and someone's talking about maybe another conspiracy theory and people are talking about what's going on in the world. But he shows up and he's ringing his bell and he's pulling his beard and he's trying to get them all excited and feeling positive and come on guys, there's hope. And they're not, they're not taking it. And then he just stops and he asks them, do you guys really feel like this? And they say, yeah, we do. It's how we feel. And it makes me think that even in our day and age, this little video clip that came out literally seven or eight days ago, this is not even a year ago, 10 years ago, 100 years ago, wasn't thought of in the world wars or whatever, 10 days ago, how people are feeling, people living in darkness. It's not that far-fetched an idea today, even for us, right? And when we look at the recent news cycles of the unfortunate attacks on nations and the retribution back and forth and the escalating uh, wars and the children who are dying in the middle of all that 
And that's just one or two news cycles. There's other news cycles. And it's hard to see and hard to hear. But just like Isaiah's prophecy to ancient Israel rang true for them, and just like that prophecy rang true for the first followers of Jesus when they tied the dots between Isaiah and them, I think it rings true for us today. I think we read something like Isaiah's text and say, yeah, I want that. I long for that. The world needs that. We're still longing for light and darkness. And it makes me ask this question for for me and for all of us, and when I think about the world that longs for this, makes me ask the question, how did Jesus become light to those people who wrote this down? Why was it light to them? How do they describe it this way? And how did they come to experience that light? Not just talk about it, but experience it. Because when Matthew writes Jesus' biography, he says, this is what's been happening to us and what's happening to me. And I think two things are really important here. The first thing is they recognized they were in darkness. They recognized that there's elements of the world that are dark. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a pessimist. I'm, quite a, I'm really an optimist. I, I'm very positive about life and things and things around our world in many ways. But one of the things that helped these first Christ followers come to know this light of Jesus is that they were able to recognize darkness and then they were able to welcome light. Recognize darkness and welcome light. And here's something, if you get nothing tonight, just to grab hold of this for this Christmas season and maybe to lead you into 2024, and I put it on the screen for us so we can just grasp it, is this, that unless we recognize the darkness we are in, we will never take notice of the light we need. Unless we recognize the darkness we're in, we will never take notice of the light we need. See, to recognize the light that Jesus brings at Christmas, and I don't mean today Christmas, but the Christmas that happened already, but that we celebrate today. To recognize the light that Jesus brings at Christmas through everything is done, we must recognize darkness in the world. We must say, well, there's light. I see the light because there's darkness. And that's important to, to know, and that's important to understand. There's a, a moment several years ago, we used to run this barbecue down the street, and for three out of the four years that we ran the barbecue, there was all, it was always rain. It was always cloudy. It was like we always got forced to do the barbecue inside, and it was getting so discouraging, and it was like, why do we even do a barbecue if we're going to do it inside, right? And, uh, and I remember there was one year after this four-year stint of like three out of four really dark clouds that we thought, this year we must have some light. <laughs> and the morning was still cloudy, and they announced kind of rain in the city, uh, but pockets. And at 8 o'clock, we had to make the decision if we were going to stay outside or not. And I remember that morning, a few of us from our team were there because we had to make the decision at 8. And uh, there was one moment where I was walking towards the building where we were going to be using, and I was praying. I was like, God, like, just help us, like, help us know if we should be inside or out. I looked at the clouds, and we had to make the decision by 8, and about 8 o'clock, the clouds open up and the sun shines through. It was raining in lots of parts of the city, but somehow DDO, we were okay. <laughs> I thought, we're going to stay outside today. And we did, and it was wonderful, and we had sun, and we had a great time. And I'm not saying that God's always going to do that for you, but what it reminds me is, is you only recognize light when you can also recognize what darkness is. And there's something else, though, about these early Christ followers and many who have followed since, including today, is that to experience him personally, you must also recognize the darkness, not just in the world, but in yourself. 
in our own hearts as well. And that's the hardest darkness to recognize. It's easy to look at the world and say it's dark. It's easy to watch the news and say that's horrible. It's easy to look at our neighbor down the street and say, oh my gosh, what a mess they're in. What's really hard is to see the darkness inside of us. But for those who experience the light of Jesus personally, they also had to recognize darkness, not just in the world, but in their own lives. And as much as that's hard to admit, that's the only path towards welcoming his light. Now, imagine a world without Christmas. And maybe you're like, yeah, I love Christmas. I celebrate Christmas. You might be a Christian here today and say Christmas gives me life. But imagine a, imagine a world going through day and after day, year after year, struggle after struggle, and never having a reminder of light and love and life. Imagine a world without Christmas reminding us that that's possible. But this is, this is, this is the thing for you and me. The light of Jesus has to and can do more than just remind us. The light of Jesus actually restores us. It doesn't just remind us that there's life and life and light, but it actually restores us. That's the beauty of the light of Jesus. It doesn't just remind us that there can be life. It actually restores us towards that life. There's this author who... I've been reading through one of his books called Out of the Embers, and um, he's writing about people of faith after they go through a deconstruction phase in their mind and their heart. And um, it, there's a, it's actually a book with hope. And he, he writes, one of the chapters, he kind of writes on different historical figures that have, have kind of thought through life and faith and come out the other side actually closer to God. And... Um, one of, the, uh, one of the chapters is on you know, a historical figure called Plato. And so he, he writes about Plato and one of his writings that's called the allegory of the cave, meaning like when you're in a cave, it feels dark. And he writes, he's, he's trying to translate original words from Plato into English. And so this, he's just kind of doing this. This is his thing. And, you know, I've never really done that. I don't know about you. I mean, like translating Plato from the, or, the original is kind of tough. But this guy's into it. All cool. So, so he's, he does this. And uh, while he's in the middle of writing this, he's written a few paragraphs and all that kind of stuff, he, he gets an email from a friend. And a friend messages him. And this friend is in a hospital bed. And she's just suffered a psychotic break delusional fantasies, she's checked herself into the psych ward, and so she's replying to him, and she just simply says, hey, what are you doing today? And he says, I'm translating Plato. And the interesting thing about this is that he has found these connections with Plato's writings and trying to tie them into John's gospel and Paul's writing and the New Testament. And so he ends up reading some of his translations to her. And uh, she somehow sees the connection to Jesus. And they write back and forth. He pauses a little bit for lunch. 30 minutes later, he comes back because he says, tell me what happened when you read this. And this is what she writes. She says that she felt Jesus telling her, why do you turn your back from what I tell you? about the true goodness of your heart and soul? Why do you turn your back to me and believe lies and stand in the darkness of death? Why don't you receive my love for you? 
Why do you hate the beauty I have created? You're scared. You feel lost. You feel unlovable. You feel rejected again. You feel lonely. And the pain in your heart is unbearable. And you want to run to the darkness forever. You're hopeless. I know, I know. But let me tell you, there is love in this world for you. You mustn't give up. You must choose life. You must choose me again. I've been waiting for a true choice in this reality. I will help you. He, her abuser, has not won. I will help you. Always I will help you. And then this last line that she senses what she hears from Jesus. Open your heart and soul to me. Turn from the darkness and look into the light. I am there for you. And he was so blown away that in the middle of her darkness, Jesus' light broke through into her heart. And he, he ends up writing about how that started to change her. And not long afterwards, he received a message from her nurse. And the nurse described that the medical comeback after this encounter was like an actual miracle. That she, regarded my, that she regarded my friend as beyond hope on her deathbed and was just trying to make her comfortable in her last days. Since then, she says, her patient, the nurse, her patient has worked hard, fought for her life a day at a time, and has been discharged from the hospital, actively planning for life and love beyond the confines of the ward. And he writes this about this woman. He says, that didn't happen by reading a few sentences from Plato. It happened by encountering the light of life and surrendering to his healing love. The great physician himself deconstructed death's reign in her heart, in her mind, and in her body. Isn't that incredible? That in the middle of her darkness, Jesus' light shined through. And it was nothing else except the fact that she was able to see her darkness and welcome him in. Now, you're tempted to dismiss this and say, what does that have to do with me? I'm not in the psychiatric ward. I'm here. I'm, I'm okay. You're like, well, yeah, that's her because she was in a really dark place. But maybe she was blessed more than we realize because she actually realized the darkness that she was in. And because she realized the darkness, she welcomed the light and she welcomed Jesus' help to get out of it. Now, you might say, well, what again? Like, I don't feel like that bad. But isn't it true that there's parts of our lives that we say, I can't deal with the stress. I can't deal with the anxiety. I hate the insecurity of, of the economy. I struggle with this relationship. These broken relationships keeps keeps." becoming a greater and greater burden in my life. And the, just looking at the way the world is and reading these new cycles, I cannot get out of this cycle in my head. And I wonder, what about all the forms of darkness that we experience, that we want to neglect? And here's the beauty of it. Jesus can break into your life with his light. He can break into your life with his light around you and in you if you welcome him if you welcome him. I want you to think about this. I'm going to come up 
and wrap up in a moment. This team's going to sing one more song. And so think about this. Reflect on this, on the ability to recognize darkness and the beautiful invitation to welcome the light of Jesus and what that means for you and the world. Let's listen, and then I'll come back. It's really inspiring to sing that, right? Mm -hmm. To hear those words. We long for it, peace on earth. We so long for it. I think everybody we lock eyes for longs for that. just want to give you a moment tonight as we wrap up to not just think about peace on earth, which is something that God promises in Jesus. It really is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy and Jesus is coming and dying and rising and ascending and one day coming again. It is. But I want to give you an invitation to experience that personally in your own hearts. So if you just take a moment with me. And as we were reminded, unless we recognize that there's darkness, not just in the world, but even in our own hearts, we will never welcome the light, the light of Jesus. And recognizing darkness in us means recognizing that we have lived a life um, far away from God's vision for us. Far off from the kind of life that he longs for us. Far off from the kind of life that Jesus even embodied and lived and showed us. And by recognizing that, we make a step towards welcoming his light, his life, him personally, to lead us, to guide us, to be king of our own lives. Maybe your first step is just coming back and exploring with us as a church because we talk about Jesus a lot and we keep telling the story of Jesus and the story of the scriptures. So maybe your first step is just exploring this story with us as we do. But maybe you're here tonight and you're at a point where you just want to allow him to transform you and restore you, not just remind you. So just in a moment, express your heart to him in that way. Simply just inviting Jesus to truly lead you where you surrender your trust to him and recognize he is light and life and love and the fullness of God's vision for you. God, I pray for my dear friends here tonight and I pray for anyone here that has just come to the realization even in this short time together as we've sung these carols and entered into this story and, be re and reminded of this great truth, God. Maybe some tonight are here and just ready to turn to you. And I just pray, God, as you've heard their prayers, as you've heard the expression of their heart, as you've heard their desire, God, that you would reveal yourself to them and reveal your son Jesus to them. And God, for some here tonight that... Um, are hungry to learn more, are hungry to understand more, God. May tonight be the first step in a journey towards discovery. Discovering you. 
your goodness, your good news. And God, as we look out into the world, may we become people, may we become people who embody the wonderful ways of Jesus, the kind of ways in life and teachings that caused his followers, his, uh, the growing group of followers over the centuries, and cause us today even to look back to his birth the way we do. May you shape us and to be the kind of people that reflect that kind of goodness, that kind of wisdom and counsel and justice and strength and courage and care and concern in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just pray one more prayer together? And I'm going to read it for you, and I think it's helpful, and it says this. Lord Jesus, master of both the light and the darkness, send your Holy Spirit upon our preparations for Christmas. We who have so much to do seek quiet spaces to hear your voice each day. We who are anxious over many things look forward to your coming among us. We who are blessed in so many ways long for the complete joy of your kingdom. And we whose hearts are heavy seek the joy of your presence. We are your people, walking in darkness, yet seeking the light. And to you we say, come, Lord Jesus. And if you sense that in your own heart, would you just say that with me? To you we say, come, Lord Jesus. And everybody says, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey, and hope you can grow with us. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. We would love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com giving. Until next time, peace.